Well, hey, church family. So glad that you joined me today virtually and we can all still be connected. My name is Dustin and I'm honored and humbled to be able to bring you God's word today. And, you know, he's been speaking to me all week about the importance of this message and right now in this day and age and this time, it's something that needs to be talked about more and more. So I actually get to finish out our study of James, this series we've called Faith Works. And I'm going to close it out with what I think is the most important part, and that's prayer. So I'm excited you're here to join me. But the title of this message is going to be Bringing Heaven in History. So I want you to remember that over and over what we're going to be talking about. So Prayer is one of the most dominant themes throughout Scripture, and the same can be said for James. In the section we're going to be going through today, in verses 13 through 18 of chapter 5, prayer is listed in each and every verb. So James wants you to know how important he thinks it is. So we ourselves need to get to a place where prayer is a part of our DNA, It needs to be our lifeline. It's in our makeup. So long we've thought about prayer as being this last resort, that we have a problem. Now there's nowhere left to go. Now I can bring prayer into this situation. I better go pray. It's time to throw a Hail Mary because I have nowhere else to turn. This is is it. I've tried everything else. Now let me get to prayer. But prayer needs to be a lifestyle. It's not meant to be an event or a fad or just something that comes up every now and then. It's not a trend. Prayer is so important. It's an essential part of us. We cannot live life without it. In fact, it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that says, pray without ceasing. You say, that's a cute verse. I kind of understand what it means. Don't stop praying. Yeah, I get it. We hear it all the time. But let me put it in the context of how important I believe it is. How about you change the words to, Breathe without ceasing. And you'd say, well, of course, because if I I stop doing that, then I don't know, the outcome's not going to be that great. Well, the same thing is what I feel for prayer, is that if we don't build into prayer, that we don't continue to use it, that we stop praying, then our life and the end result is going to be so much more worse. It's the same logic we need to be looking at with prayer. It is so vital and important in our lives. Prayer saves lives. Now I need you guys to follow along with me. So if you're on Facebook right now and prayer has affected your life, it has changed it, can you please type an amen in the comment section right now? I need you guys tracking with me. So if prayer has affected you, I need amens in the chat. If you are at home watching on live stream or you're on your phone just watching it through our website, why don't you just shout amen and scare your partner right next to you and kind of juggle some of the coffee, or if you're driving along, why don't you say amen? And then it's a lot nicer than some of the things you're yelling at other drivers anyways. But let's get into this message. I'm excited. This is going to be a great word. So let's just get going with what the verse is talking about. So let's pray. Pray with me, folks. Lord, we give this time to you. We are just in awe of all that you're able to do and how you continue to use us. So I ask you to just bless this word today. May it reach whoever needs to hear it right now. Lord, we know that you're always listening. So we ask you to just open our hearts, open our minds, and and let us accept this word. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are going to be closing out James. So if you haven't gotten your Bibles already, go ahead and run, get your Bible, pull up the Bible app, whatever you have. 
And we're going to start in James chapter 5, verse 13. It says, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. You see, prayer is a relational communication with God. He wants to hear from us. How do I know so? It says it right here on that scripture that he wants us to communicate with him all the time. Are you suffering? You should pray. Are you in a good spot? You should praise him. Do you need help? You should pray. Is it time for celebration? You should praise him. Either way, whatever is going on in your life, you should be talking to God because we're either in those two moments. We're praising him or we need prayer. You are talking to God. James gives two ends to the suffering for what's going on here. The suffering is the low and the cheerful is the high. Each one he shows points right back to God, whether through praise or it's through prayer. In the spectrum, we can find every reason of life to communicate with God. Because you're either praising or you're praying. We need to be communicating to God, and that is what prayer is. Communication talking to our Father. Everything points right back to Him. So yeah, He wants to hear from you. The point of this message, the goal is prayer, of prayer is to make heaven visible on earth. Take it from up there and apply it down here. Now, we opened up this verse talking about if you're suffering, you need to pray. So suffering is something that nobody wants to go through, but at some point in our lives, we are all going to go through it. The way I see it is that that suffering or that pain is an invitation to prayer. If you're hurting in any way, shape, or form, you need to be praying. You need to be talking to God. Those are the moments where we need to connect with him the most. That's why I'm saying it needs to be a lifestyle. We need a complete covering of every moment of our lives. Where we're waking up, we're praying. Middle of the day, we're praying. Going to bed, we're praying. Highs, we're praising. Lows, we're praying. Whatever it is, we are talking to God. Because prayer is based off of our cooperation. Prayer is based off of our participation. Prayer is pulled from heaven into history. As we go on in James chapter 5, verses 14 through most of 15, it says, Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with the oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. You know, sometimes you get weak and you need help. There's sometimes where you've hit a brick wall and you can't bounce back up. And it's at those times when you feel like you're at your most weak, your most vulnerable. That's when we need to be the church. That's when you call on the leaders and people of church to rally around you and lift you up in prayer. So you call on the people, they come and they, they help ease the yoke that's been placed upon you because there is power in numbers. We are made for community. We are made for relationships. That's why this pandemic has been so tough for a lot of people because we are made to be around each other. We are made to lift each other up. So let me talk to you right now. Let's just get one-on-one. -on -one. If you were hurting at this moment, 
If you feel lost at this moment, if you need prayer, I'm looking and I'm talking right to you. Church, you are not alone. You have to realize that there are brothers and sisters in Christ ready to rally around you, ready to lay hands on you, ready to lift you up in any way that they can. At any time of day or night, any day of the week, there are people ready to live life with you. And the amazing thing is, the scripture is talking about you call on the elders to come and pray over you, and they are praying with this authority from Jesus Christ. When you're at a point where you cannot stand on your own, where you're so emotionally, physically, mentally beaten down, whatever it is, sometimes we're so tired that we can't muster up the strength to release a prayer on our own. You call on the leaders, you call on the elders, and they will lift you up. See, leaders, they will pray for you in the name of Jesus Christ, the most powerful name that we can plead over somebody. And these leaders are laying hands and praying and anointing with oil because they know who they are pleading out to to intercede on this moment in history. Because they have given up their lives to the Lord. They know what he can do. They believe and they know the power that he holds. So they give it all out and they just yell out, Jesus, come here. We need you in this moment. That's why you call them the leaders because they know the power that they have. They have an expectation of what prayer can do and an expectation of how big God is and how he answers prayers. So I want to say that one more time. They are praying with an expectation of who God is. So let me ask you a question personally. Do you pray with an expectation? Do you pray knowing that God is going to do something or are you just praying to go through the motions? Kind of a prayer you say before bed so you can just knock yourself to sleep or what you're going to say before a meal. You just kind of rush through it. Where are your emotions? Do you, do you really put your whole heart and expect God to do something? I've said it before and I stand by this statement that if you aren't praying with an expectation that God can speak into your life and do the impossible, then why are you wasting your time speaking? We need to come boldly before God and say, I know who you are and I know what you can do in my life. That's the expectation that is needed. You need to believe in the power of prayer. You need to believe in the power of God. We need to pray with an expectation. You know, it's this expectation that reminded me of a story I heard a while ago. There was a town in Northern California that had been affected by a severe drought. And most of you have been through a drought recently. It's not much fun, but this town banked on its agriculture. Now they're rationing water and their lush fields are now dried up weeds. And so the local townsfolk and church members decided to gather together at the peak temperature of the day at 12.30 p.m. Every single day they would go out at the hottest time and pray for rain. And day after day, they would go and they would say, we, we need help. That was their prayer. We need you, Lord. Day after day, no rain would come. And every day as the church people would go out and the neighbors would gather together, there was a little boy that would peek through the blinds. And he would start to watch what was happening. And he got a little bolder. He would actually open a window and start to listen what they were saying. Until one day, he got up enough nerve and he walked outside and 
he goes to his parents and he says, do you mind if I go pray? And they were like, oh, it's so cute, of course. And the townsfolk were like, oh, that's precious. Go for it. Knock yourself out. And so this little boy walks into what used to be their garden. And the only thing that's growing now are tumbleweeds and dried brush. And he stands out there and he lifts up his hands. And he just has a conversation. He says, God, I know that you created heavens and the earth. I know you are in control. I know you're able to control the weather. So God, I'm asking you to bring rain. Can you please bring rain because your people are hurting? Soak the ground. Lord, you can bring the rain, so please bring that rain. A simple prayer. And that boy stopped and he waited. And 15 minutes pass and nothing's happening. And the townsfolk are starting to get back going to their homes. And you begin to see some wispy clouds start to come forward. And you can guess what happens at the end of the story. Next thing you know, that little boy is standing in a puddle, splashing around with a huge smile on his face. And the townspeople and neighbors are just kind of flabbergasted. They don't understand what just happened. Like, we've been praying every single day. What's going on here? What was the difference in his prayer? Well, this little boy came out with a heartfelt message. He stood out there burying his soul, knowing who he was talking to. And the thing that made a difference is the little boy is the only one out of that community that brought an umbrella. You see, he was expecting something to happen. No one else brought an umbrella, but this little boy said, you know what? God's going to make it rain, so I'm going to be ready so I don't get too soaked. That is the power of a specific expecting prayer. Of a little boy can muster this up. I know that you can do it as well. Don't just talk. Believe we have a big, mighty God and the power that he holds. When you pray bold prayers, God smiles. You make him happy. I can just imagine him just being there. And he hears a specific prayer, knowing who he is and what he can do. And we ask him, and he just comes to situation saying, oh, they finally get it. Yes, that's what I've been waiting for. Let's take heaven. And now let's put it into history. Verse 15 closes out a little bit differently. So we have been learning about the power of prayer. We've been hearing if it's if you're suffering, you got to pray. And if you are suffering and you're praying and you don't have enough strength, call on the elders, bring them forward. But then you do something with these people that have been brought forward. And 15 and 16 say, and if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, I love this part because I believe this is a point where we start to live life with each other. You have come to a point where you know you need assistance, you need help. So you've called on the elders and church people to come forward and pray over you. 
And what you are doing is bringing someone else into the situation to help in any way that they can. So these elders are here and they are anointing with oil. They are laying hands. They are praying over you. They are giving everything they have because they want God to just come through. Whatever it takes, they are not holding back. And they are praying the blood of Christ over these people. And they are putting it all out there. And I love what this is saying that, no, we don't have to confess our sins to someone else. We're not another branch of religion that, that says you have to go to someone else. We simply get to go to God because of that new covenant that was brought forward because of Jesus. But I believe we get the share of these sins because it's showing how much we are invested as well. So you were praying over here, putting your whole body over me to bless me and anoint me. And here I am. At least I'm going to say this is what I have done wrong. And I know I'm going to be wiped clean because of Jesus Christ. And I want people to see that once I am restored in health, once I've brought my strength back, my sins are washed away, you are able to see what God was able to do through me, and they're able to do the same for other people. That's why I think we need to live life and confess these sins to each other. Because you're showing you're all in, I'm all in. Let's show people what God is all about and what he can do in our lives. It's amazing to hear those things. So we have heard how important prayer is. How life-changing it can be when we utilize it. Now we get to see another angle in James of how to get this into action. Now we get to be equipped on how to bring this power of prayer into our everyday lives. I want you to know just how equipped you actually are to start these steps at this exact moment. And in James chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, it says, Elijah. So now we see James taking us back to the Old Testament. We're able to see that he's taking it back to an old story of a familiar soul that a lot of people in the Bible has read about. And he's actually one of the staples of the main faith, the mafia faith. I don't know what to call them, the, the big dogs of faith. So we get his story and go back in time. And it says, Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. A feeling for many people, and I've heard this over and over again in different Bible studies or community groups or just simply meeting up with people, is that they don't know how to pray or, or what to say. They'll say, well, my prayers, aren't they don't have any gusto behind them. I, I don't sound too eloquent. I, I don't understand what to do with my hands or do I bow my head? Like, what do I do with prayer? Well, James has your back. So he gives us an example of how to look like and, and who to learn from, a role model in prayer. And I think he picked the perfect person because it starts off in Scripture that he's picked someone very similar to us. Elijah was as human as you and I are. Yes, he was one of the main people of faith, but he had his flaws to him, and he also had to learn how, he, how to go. The big thing about Elijah is that he just listened to God and did whatever he said to do. So he was as human as, as me and you. And at this time, there was a king named King Ahab, and he was married to a Philistine woman named Jezebel. Together they had turned the entire nation of Israel into sin by worshiping false gods and bringing this 
awful sin nature and idolizing the wrong people. They, they destroyed this nation. And so because of their disobedience, God sent Elijah to tell them, the nation, that they were going to be punished with a drought. And Elijah tells Ahab in 1 Kings chapter 17, says, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Now see, this drought lasted for three and a half years. And at the end of three and a half years, God sends Elijah back into the picture to talk to the king. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41 through 45, it says, Then Elijah says to Ahab, Go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, Go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. And finally, the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. What can we learn from Elijah's prayer that makes it such a good example for us? Well, first, prayer that works takes work. Notice how he prays in verse 42. He, he, he gets ready. And he goes down on his knees. He bows down with his head between his knees. In preparation for the sermon, I conducted extensive research on this particular prayer position. And let me tell you what my results were. That it was a super uncomfortable position to pray. It's not fun at all. <laughs> um, now, there might be many possible theological reasons of why he prayed this way. But my personal reason is that Elijah was using his painful posture to help himself focus on the prayer at hand. Now, there might be different takings of why this happens, but I believe he was so vulnerable at this moment because of the way he was praying. He didn't want to be distracted by anything else. You have to imagine, on his left and his right, he cannot see either way because his knees and his elbows and his hands are all tucked together. He is so vulnerable. He can't see in front of him. He can't see behind him. All he is doing is focusing on his prayer and focusing on talking to God. What an amazing sight and feeling that is to have every distraction away from you so you can just have one-on-one -on -one time with our Father who desperately wants to talk to you. Now, I'm not saying we all need to pray like this, but I'm telling you that there is some value in getting uncomfortable when we pray. The man had his head between his knees. He's vulnerable. He's uncomfortable. I don't know how long he could stand like that. It bugged me after 30 seconds. But he was laying it all out and showing that, God, you're the only one that can come in this situation, so I am banking on you to come down. Charles Spurgeon once said, this amazing quote, You see, prayer pulls the rope down below, and the great bell rings above in the ears of God. Some scarcely stir for the bell, so they pray languidly. Others give only an occasional jerk at the rope. 
But he who communicates with heaven is a man who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continuously with all his might. Now remember what we said at the start of this message. The goal of prayer is to make heaven visible on earth. Take it from up there and apply it down here because prayer is pulled from heaven into history. And Elijah didn't simply ask God to bless Israel. He was asking for something specific. He was asking for rain. Specifically, I need it to rain right now, God. And not only did Elijah ask for rain for himself, he let it known to everyone around. He told his servant, hey, go look out there. I'm expecting it to rain. Hey, King Ahab, go home and eat and drink something because a major storm is coming. He's letting it known how much he believes that this is going to happen. Elijah got down on his knees and sent his servant out to look. And the servant came back and said, nope, didn't see anything. And notice what Elijah doesn't do. He doesn't go, darn it, prayer doesn't work. I can't believe it. I sent him out. It was supposed to happen, but it didn't. No, Elijah says, okay, get back out there and wait. Because he's expecting something because of this prayer. He doesn't get defeated that it didn't get answered yet. You see, prayers take persistence. What if my prayer isn't being answered? Well, God only gives you three answers. It's yes, it's no, or it's wait. If you're praying and you get yes or no, you're done. If he gives you the answer of wait, then guess what you need to be doing? You need to be praying as you wait. Time and time again, the servant would come back to Elijah. Seven times to be a fact. And suddenly he comes back on that seventh time and he says, I, I see a tiny fist-shaped cloud off in the distance. And look at your fist right now. Put it in front of your face. Look how small that is. And he's saying, that, ugh, that, that's, that's it? That's what I see? Some might get discouraged with a tiny fist-shaped cloud coming over the horizon. You'd be expecting a big rainstorm. You say, oh, I thought my prayer was supposed to be answered. That's just a tiny result for a big expectation I was waiting for. But God might not give you the whole picture to start with. He might just give you an idea of what to come. He might just give you an appetizer of the main entree that's about to happen. Elijah saw it differently. He saw a tiny cloud and shouted, get in your chariot. you got to get home because this rainstorm is going to happen right now. That tiny little cloud was the answer to prayers he was looking for because he knew that God was going to deliver. And it says in verse 45 that soon the sky was black with clouds and the thunderstorm came. You see, prayer needs to be a lifestyle. Prayers take work, they take persistence, and they take an expectation. When you put all those together, you have a formula of getting a great prayer life. Are you hurting? Are you suffering? I know there are people out there. You see, we have a, a prayer list that goes out each and every week, and it should be filled up with people praying. It should have names upon names, especially during what's going on of what people needing prayer. And yet it's rarely used. 
So we need to stop with this mask. We need to stop with a front and we need to get vulnerable. We need to get open. We need to get ready to call on people and we need to get our prayers out there because God is waiting. There are people waiting to lift you up and then pray for you as well. There is so much ready to happen. We need prayer in our lives. We need a release. We need to move forward. We need to get uncomfortable. We need to get vulnerable and start putting it out there. We need to bring it into existence. He wants to give it from heaven into history. So ring the bell. Get your umbrella. History books will be rewritten with heaven all over it when we start asking God. So I'm praying something big. I'm going to put you my heart out there right now and what I feel is going on. I'm going to tell you my bold prayer is that I feel like the enemy knows that we're on to something. So then we go through church closings, we go through pandemics, we go through political firestorms, we go through racial division, whatever can be used to pull people apart and turn the, the Christian people against each other. I believe that something big is coming, that we're going to have the greatest harvest that we have seen in generations or decades. So I am praying for all the lost souls to come forward. I am praying for all the people who wandered away to come back. I am praying for all the new believers to come forward because the church, it's time to rise up. And I have an encouraging word for our brothers and sisters who are lost right now. And it comes perfectly in the ending verse of James chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings a sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. I'm praying with everyone that has been affected, every wandering soul, every person that feels distant from Christ right now, anyone that's been hurt by a fellow believer, any random person that just so happened to be scrolling around on social media and find this message that has been looking for a savior, looking for someone to make sense of everything. I'm speaking to you that wants to be transformed through the inside. Whether you're ready to be brought back from wandering away, we are ready to be forgiven of sins. And I want to close with a powerful prayer. And those who wander, those who are lost, I, I ask you to please repeat this prayer after me. But not just say the words. Not just go through the motions. I need you to believe from the depth of your soul that the prayer you're about to say is going to transform your life. That this prayer has life-changing power to it. So as you repeat after me, you say it with emotion, you say it with love, you say it with desperation because we're ready for something new. So please pray with me. Lord Jesus, please come into my life. You are my Lord and Savior. I know that you came down, you walked with us, you taught us, and you gave your life up for us. And then you defeated death and you rose again after three days. 
You wiped away all my sins. Lord, come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior, my King of Kings. Rework my inner workings so they resemble you. We put you in charge of our lives. So you are the one in control now. We give up all control and hand it to you. May we never turn back and give a second glance of what used to be. It's your name we pray. Amen.